0: Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC prelims card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter, and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at Facebook.com slash BloodyElbowBlog. And as always, on BloodyElbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow Fight Analysts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We're here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. UFC 291 featuring a top-ranked lightweight battle, Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gagey. Awesome fight. We're here talking about the prelims right now, though, with a featured prelim between Gabriel Bonfim and Trevin Giles on top of a prelims card that would otherwise, admittedly, not be all that notable, except for one thing, which actually, now that I think about it, is a little fucked up. (laughs) Not that that Derek Lewis is on the prelims, which is... Uh, you know, it's been a long time since that's happened. Yeah, but that he's not even the featured prelim. True. What's going on? Like this is a man who has headlined for years for the UFC, and yeah, he's going through a rough patch. But to not even be like the featured prelim slot, I'm I am surprised.
2: Yeah, over welterweights.
1: Mediocre welterweights too, like Gabriel. What's going on here? I know he submitted Munir Lazeez, but that was not like a meaningful
2: fight. And Trevin Giles, he's the lesser Bonfim brother.
1: Yeah, and Trevin Giles has been nothing but mediocre in his UFC career.
2: Yeah, that is actually strange. I I normally I think I would be joking about the fact that um, the heavyweight should be featured, but in this case, like. It is Derek Lewis. Yeah. Like you think he'd be the featured prelim if he's got to be on the prelims.
1: Yeah. He's, he was at one point, one of the most famous people in the promotion. Yeah. And that wasn't that long ago, hmm. you know, strange. Yeah.
2: How the worm has turned. Former
1: title contender, former interim title contender.
0: Yeah. anyway,
1: we're, we're going to start out here with Bonfim giles and um it's a fight
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's giles, giles has been looking slowly like he's trying to turn a corner i don't know that he fundamentally can at this
2: point yeah it's 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 pretty late uh after a lot of um uh, a lot of uh, experience, like burning certain habits into him. Yeah, with a very limited set of fundamentals. But um, he's trying. He's trying to do a bit of uh, what like Michelle Pereira is doing with some success. You know, like yeah. let's. Uh, uh, Trevor Giles has a good jab. Let's like yeah. rely on that jab more. Let's be a little more defensive. Let's not. Probably it was getting um uh decimated by um. Michael Morales that made that yeah. decision for him, right? That he was like, oh, it's not just... Uh, I mean, I guess the Dreykus fight was just before that, too. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that one.
1: Back-to-back po- points where somebody just decided to bite down and pressure him, and they found what people have been finding against Trevon Giles for whenever they've needed to. Yeah. That his defense is mostly a mirage and that yeah. he thinks he's a lot safer on his back foot than he ever actually
2: is. Yeah. But he wasn't getting destroyed and knocked out yeah. in previous fights. And then two fights in a row, somebody just decks him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but it, it does feel like probably too little too late. Granted, Giles has always had a good like base of athleticism to work with. Yeah. You know, he's fast. He is. I mean, at least, a, you know, up to a certain point was very durable. Uh huh. Um, even then, like he, he he went in there and and got nearly knocked out in the first round against Preston Parsons.
1: Uh huh.
2: Backed up against the cage, absolutely same, problems. same exact problem. You know, he tried to present a little more of a barrier before getting to that position, but enough insistence, he did get there.
1: Yeah. And that Kosey fight, you got to say too, Kosey just didn't show up. Yeah, like, pretty much didn't have any idea how to approach somebody with a jab right and just let Giles have the most safe open space low stakes fight imaginable
2: yeah so um i don't know i mean um to me gabriel Bonfim is mostly just a guy mm-hmm. an athletic guy yeah um powerful
1: He's fast. got his brother's he's got his brother's confidence without having his brother's technique.
2: Yeah, he's he's much more um one and done. Mm-hmm. Looking to just sort of time collisions. Yep. And and hope that they work out best for him. The confidence certainly helps. I have to assume that will be a key ingredient in getting Trevor Giles to walk himself into a corner. Yep. And I'm I am pretty, I, I have a decent amount of faith that Bonfim, knowing how he likes to fight, he likes to be the aggressive counterpuncher type. Yeah. He probably will figure out how to time Trevin Giles' jab, just as Preston Parsons did.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me not to see Giles' first round with Parsons and see a more confident, yeah, more uh, trusting, self, self-trusting striker in Bonfim, even if he's yeah. not necessarily much more technical than Parsons. He has a lot more faith in his ability to strike than Parsons. Yeah. And to look at the then Bonfim fight with Liz's where he just walked Liz's down and yep. kept throwing at Lizez until Lizez had to react himself into a mistake. Yeah. And yeah, I look at like Giles and I, and that Parsons fight and I just like, I, I can see Bonfim doing the exact same thing to just better results. Yeah. Because he's could. got more confidence about his ability to stick with it.
2: If that doesn't result in a finish, it could get pretty crazy this fight. Sure. sure. Um, Bonfim mostly when he finishes people does it in the first round. That being yeah. said, he does have a couple second and third round finishes. I think one third round finish against a good opponent. All the other ones are like way early in his career yeah, against nobody's. Um, but I'm pretty sure almost all of his wins are finishes. Uh-huh. If not all of them.
1: No, yeah, the confidence and the aggression is there for him.
2: He has his second fight; it is not listed on Tapology, and his seventh fight. Otherwise, all finishes. He just goes out there and tries to kill people. Yeah, I'm just going to favor him mostly for like career momentum and confidence.
1: The unlisted fights from Tapology are listed on uh, SureDog, and they're all finishes.
2: Wow, how did you get sure dog to load that quickly?
0: <laughs> Ad blockers
2: <laughs> um yeah, so I'm gonna take Bonfim for yeah. yeah, just just being confident and being very willing to let a guy throw something hard at him and meet him in the middle with a harder shot,
1: yep, that's pretty much it for me too. Just feels like Giles has. He is try. He he's made some slow improvements over time. He is trying to correct for a fight a, a style that never really prepared him defensively, past his jab, and unfortunately, the two tests he's gotten to try and show that style lately, they aren't really meaningful. Parsons yeah. and Kosi, Parsons is a fighter who didn't fundamentally want to spend that much time standing yeah. with Giles. And Kosi was a fighter who just had no clue how to how to approach. Yeah. As we saw over time. Really just didn't know how to approach any high level fight at all. Pretty much. So uh that brings us to our heavyweight bout that is shockingly honestly kind of a shock it's not on the main card, let alone prelims, but really it's surprising it's not the feature prelims. Derek Lewis, Marcos Rogerio de Lima. And man, what a rubber meets road moment for Derek Lewis. Because <laughs> unfortunately for him, Marcos Rogerio de Lima, more even than Sergei Spivak, who has built a little momentum and become sort of like a fun guy to root for at heavyweight because he seems so unathletic and uncharismatic. You know, you're kind of like, man, I want to see Sergey Spivak like beat some much more confident seemingly capable fighter.
2: Yeah, Spivak is just long Tabora. Yeah. Uh, He's Tabora after getting put through that uh, machine that Willy Wonka puts uh, the blueberry girl into yeah. <laughs> stretch her back out again.
1: Yeah. Uh, Marcos, Lima has absolutely never managed to gain any momentum ever. Yeah. He is a fighter that I would probably bet firmly. Half, maybe a third, but probably half of all UFC fans on any given time. He, any given night he fights would be like, Oh, this newcomer looks pretty. All right. <laughs> And just never remember
2: seeing him ever before. Yeah, if you're like us, then he is like such a mainstay. You're like, oh, yeah. Marcos and Jerry Lima is fighting again, but he has never changed and never, yeah, developed any inertia as a inertia as a at all figure. Yeah.
1: And so for Derek Lewis, this is really a super low profile fight that he could very easily lose. Very easily, because Marcos Rogério de Lima is a really fast starter with serious power, really sound fundamental tools, and even some ability to wrestle. The wrestling is probably the worst way that he could try to beat Derek Lewis. I, I think that
2: I suspect he, he will try to beat Derek Lewis that way.
1: But, you know, because even Spivak had to actually take Lewis down, like, four times yeah. to get to a point that he could start beating him. Um, and Lewis is still, I think, DeLima's version of that is far, far less likely to actually tax Lewis in the way that, you know, it's, it's more likely to be the kind of wrestling that Lewis could classically deal with. Mm-hmm. Your, uh, your, uh, what was it like? Uh, your Shamil Abdurrahimov wrestling or your Roy Nelson wrestling or your Elir Latifi wrestling. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, it just doesn't do that much damage. So Lewis can keep getting back up, keep forcing you to have to deal with his power, keep getting you tired wrestling him. That said, um who is the last person then that Lewis would have fought that had a serious low kick game mm. to bring him? Because other than Good the question. wrestling, the one part of Marcos Algeria de Lima's game that does not ever evaporate in his fights? is his ability to low-kick the absolute shit out of people.
2: Yeah, Tuvasa landed some good ones on Lewis, but then yeah. it devolved into a brawl, and he stopped. Hmm. Mark
1: I Hunt mean, really, I think, maybe. I remember Cyril, if
2: Cyril right. gone for sure. Yeah. Kicked Lewis in every which way. Uh, I don't think Mark Hunt really low-kicked Lewis.
1: No, maybe he didn't. Let me see. I got the stats in front of me. I can actually check this instead of just spouting off bullshit. But what's the fun of that? (laughs) Uh, Mark Hunt landed 10 out of 10 low-kicks. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. He actually did. Of the the 59 significant strikes he landed, 10 were hard-low-kicks. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pick Marco Cagliari de Lima. Are you? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I do think Derek has kind of fallen off. Yeah. To be honest. I mean, we, we were talking on the uh, main card about fighters who have um athletically dependent styles. Derek Lewis was never much of an athlete.
1: No. But it was super dependent on it.
2: Um, exactly. It w- He was never much of an athlete, but he did have a couple of the, not in the way we usually understand the term, he did have a couple of physical traits, uh, namely the power, Yep. obviously, which he still has the power. He has less of the shocking speed that used to make that power effective. Yep. And he's also, um, like, somehow, I don't know, even slower on his feet than he was a few years ago.
1: Yeah. I, I think the big thing is that I, I, I really worry that uh, panic is starting to creep into his game. Yeah. That the calm that used to mark him like, Oh, I can, I can ride this out. Even if I get in bad spots, even if you take me down or whatever, he, he developed calm over time. That was really the key of what made him so effective.
2: Yeah, it was the Zen of Derek Lewis.
1: Yeah, and I think that that Zen is vanishing. Like the fight, the fighter that went out there against Sergey Spivak looked like a fighter desperate, yeah, to get Sergey Spivak out of there before something bad happened.
2: Yeah. for a long time Derek Lewis was perfectly content to lose rounds. Yep, and the understanding that at some point he might land the big punch, and as long as he stayed in the fight, that point would continue to exist at some hypothetical. Uh, yeah. future time and um, that that really is everything. That's the whole juju that made the Derek Lewis game functional at all. So um, but man, I'm picking Marco Sogeri DeLima over him.
1: I know, right?
2: <laughs> I don't like that. No. DeLima is himself such a, I mean, he's he's looked better at heavyweight, but mostly because he's been fighting absolute trash. Yep. You know, like said,
1: this would be way a big step of like low profile losses,
2: but yeah. I mean, it's not long ago that he got like forearm choked by Alexander Romanov, like the stupidest no, I... way for a guy with a with grappling credentials to lose. Um, I mean, I don't care. I'm going to pick Derek for no right. particular
1: reason. All right, Lewis is an underdog here. Opened wow. at plus one oh seven is currently plus one eighty
2: eight. Uh, you know what I'm not picking Marcos? I'm picking Marcos. I'm giving in to crowd pressure. You you peer pressure me wasn't enough, yep. but I respect the betters.
1: Marcos so, <laughs> opened at minus one eighteen. It's currently at minus two fourteen. All right. Let's jump over to a middleweight bout, Roman Kopoloff, Claudio Rivero. Hibero. Yeah, I mean yeah. This is this is one of those fights where like I, I It's not terrible because Barrow is a meme. He's a meme fighter. Yeah. You know, he's just one of those dudes where you're like, wow, you're really athletic and you could do all sorts of things. But instead, you just choose stupid stuff.
2: Yeah, man, that fight with Joseph Holmes was so dumb. Right. The this always makes me laugh. And, you know, you you were talking earlier about how much better fighters are getting, how much more um, aggressive and. You know, it was really noteworthy back when, like, Hendricks and Lawler fought, like, how <sighs> close they stood to each other. Yeah. Like, whoa, they're, like, right on the edge of range. It's like they're, like, boxing or something. Um, and because that was at a time where everybody used to stand nine feet apart. Yeah. And so, now, but now when I see that it stands out because it is genuinely less yeah. common, it's a good sign for the sport. But boy, did Claudio Hibero and Joseph Holmes spend every minute where something stupid wasn't happening literally looking at each other from their corners. Yeah. <laughs> Far apart they're standing. And Ibero's out there like doing like shogun style head movement. Like, buddy, there's not you're not in range for anything to happen. Yeah. You don't have to move at all, except forward. Try stepping forward. And then, of course, he does. like He boots Holmes at one point with a kick, which Holmes just doesn't react to in time because Holmes is not a good fighter. And then Holmes does try to commit to some stupid punch from that far away and gets brutally countered. Yeah. This is not a functional game. No. You don't know what you're doing. You're just like waiting for somebody to smash into you, and then you're going to try to smash them harder. Yep. Really, really silly. Yeah. Um... Kopalov, on the other hand, has uh, developed a slowly
1: pretty comfortable... He's developed the game that I'd hoped he would bring when he yeah. first jumped over from Fight Nights Global.
2: Yeah. But it is... Um, it's hard to forget him just getting, like, swamped by Durayev and Roberson. Yeah. And um, Hibero will try to grab a hold of people and throw them around and stay on top of them
1: sure
2: um he was perfectly happy to grapple with holmes who was much bigger than him and that's the only thing holmes does well and uh, he was still happy to tangle up with him there that is still a concern um and and couple of two like i don't know i i like a lot of what he does Mm -hmm. but he's so willing to he's there's there's some martin campman to roman couple yes he's very upright and he's trying to surprise people with speed in the pocket when he's in a vulnerable position and then dart away. Mm-hmm. And he's so willing to dart away that like, you can just blunder forward and corner him. Yeah. And force him to like cover up and flinch. And like, he can feel that he's not as like powerful as his opponent. He doesn't like, there's a lot of tension when he's in mutual range.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. And he will make some bad defensive decisions. Oh, Sure. But is just a mess i is this just an yeah. athleticism pick though do I pick Hibero to just uh to just be bigger and stronger and hit harder when no, fully knowing that as long as long as he is at range he is just gonna be getting hit with anything um couple of wants to send at him he's gonna eat a lot of jabs, but he is yeah. also gonna he's also gonna get some like too slow inside low kick and just barge in. And yeah. crack Kapalov. I- I'm going to take you, Barrow. I'm going with the physicality pick here.
1: I'm I'm going to stick with the technique pick here for a big a big thing. Carl, uh, for Kapalov is he's really been very durable in his career. It's true. Really hard to hurt badly. And these otherwise, you know, he's he's a death by a thousand cuts kind of fighter, and I do not think that any part of Hibero's game is made to actually handle that over any um, amount of time.
2: No, I don't either.
1: So, Hibero does have, he does have the kind of one-shot power that yeah. could absolutely just put Kapalov away. He does have a special level of athleticism, but at 31, I... Really, just kind of doubt that athleticism ever oh, turns a yeah. corner into. I'm,
2: I'm not picking this on the basis that he's going to get a lot better or that no. he will have improved. I just of is really hittable, and he needs to be in like mid range where he that's where he's effective. Yeah, it's true. He that's why I say he's like Campman. Like he's yeah. got to walk into the fire to be effective, and his fire is just never as hot as his opponents.
1: No, it's true i i just don't think that i don't expect claudio Rivera to be able to take him down and stay on him well enough to actually keep the fight there yeah especially if he wants to start doing damage i don't think he's got enough control and he might be able to just out damage kopalov but i think it's much more likely he gets really tired
2: yeah i i I think he you know yes kopalov is is durable but um uh, you know, and he has taken he took big shots from Punaheli soriano, who's a big puncher yeah. and and weathered them fine i mean yep. i I see i'm I'm, I'm always tempted I, I, this is the time when I'm gonna be wrong because I'm finally being like, you know what he's just gonna get clocked by the dumb fighter, but i I kind of think he might get hurt in this fight
1: yeah it could happen. He got it's, hurt it, versus Roberson
2: yeah, yeah, true. you just can't be that hittable and that dependent on being in a range where you can get hit. Um, forever.
1: No. Kapalov is the favorite here. Opened at minus 208. 208, Currently at minus 196. Barrow opened at plus 162.
2: Currently at plus
1: 173. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Jake Matthews, Darius Flowers... And um, Darius Flowers is the most 1999 ass fighter I've seen in the UFC in (laughs) a
2: long time. We're getting a few of these guys notably lately, aren't we?
1: Not just because his his, his hairline makes him look like he's like 55.
2: (laughs) Come on now
1: no
2: earlier we were like you know we talk about fighters objectively it's not a surprise when they're insulted and then we also just straight up insult the fighters
1: yeah but no I mean you you look at you go type Darius Flowers into your google search and you look at the the ITN WWE photo of him from the contender series yeah and you tell me that that does not (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was going to say just give it up but actually I kind of like that he's just rocking the receding hairline yeah no it's... I respect that more guys should have the horseshoe
1: yeah but he just like I said, it has been a while honestly for me since I've seen a dude who looks mm. this much like a wrestler who hates striking standing yeah. up And who also uh, seems like he maybe hates grappling, too. And just wants to do, like, the classic Tito Ortiz thing. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just... He is out of a whole different era.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And... The biggest thing for him that's probably, honestly, any kind of bonus here is that Jake Matthews has walked himself into a corner that um, kind of highlights the worst part of his his ability. You know, because Matthews started out as like a bowling ball who would hit an overhand and like go to a power double leg and then look to grapple you. Yeah. And I'm he might not.
2: Potatoes, all terrain MMA fighter.
1: Yeah. And he might not always get to the first good grappling position or he might lose out on the grappling battle, but it was always like, Oh, fundamentally at, ho- at, at heart, Jake Matthews is a good scrambler. Mm-hmm. He, he was a lot like Ian Heinish. Yes. When he came in. And the thing that Matthew somewhere along the way, I think it was probably his losses to Kevin Lee and Andrew Holbrook, that Holbrook loss being especially pathetic Mm -hmm. and really a function of Matthew's feel like he had to grapple with people where he had somebody in Holbrook who was himself a good, a good grappler who could just outscramble him every time, but was Mm -hmm. like, should have been a much worse, much more vulnerable, much less durable striker. But Matthews just couldn't keep the fight there. And as a result of those fights, we have seen a years-long, slow recrafting of Matthews' game into a distance, slow-paced striker. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, it's just walked him, like I say, it's walked him into the thing he doesn't, he does worse. And there are still fights where he can make it work, where, sure. you know, somebody was- like Emil Weber Meek, who had the same bowling ball tendencies, would just always find Matthews was a better scrambler than him. Or obviously a very faded Diego Sanchez. Mm hmm. Or an Andre Fialho who is really quite predictable and is going to stay at the same long range and kind of offer you these chances to be out at a distance and counter him every time he steps in.
2: And his chinian hates getting hit. And his chinian hates getting hit.
1: But then Matthew Semmelsberger, who does not have the world's best, most most well practiced, confident or deep uh simple striking game just came out there and was like what about fast one twos
2: yeah with like the even making some bad calls but then just finding like the simplest sort of variations on that one theme yeah just kept finding ways to reveal that uh, jake matthews um actually is not paying attention to defense at all when he's yeah. striking.
1: And is just his one, his slow one strike at a time style is very dependent on having that slow pace to work with. Yeah. And on having range being ice insulated by range and that any kind of attempts to turn it up and turn Jake Matthews into a modern metagame striker where he has to keep pace and be in the pocket and throwing combination, it's going to really break down Jake Matthews. Yeah.
2: Well, and he's not really even trying to be that. He's trying to be slick, but yeah, he doesn't have the defense. No. He doesn't have the actual n- neither when he gets into exchanges the hard kind of defense as we discussed yeah. before, nor does he have the preventative positional defense of it's hard for you to actually get into range or get to the right angle to touch me.
1: Yeah i have to pick matthews here yeah because darius flowers fights like it's 1999
2: you can't it's hard to picture a guy i mean Emil Weber mech is not a great wrestler but he is a truck yeah and uh it's hard to picture somebody uh, who isn't exceptionally good at it out grappling jake matthews
1: yeah and you look at like the fights that matt that uh that flowers had not just on the contender series, but on in LFA as well. Like that fight he had with Dan, Dan Gadley, a lanky under athletic grappler. And flowers is like just sprinting away from striking exchanges. Yeah. Doing everything he can to get away from having to strike with people. You know, it, it is no surprise that uh, it is surprising that Flowers has taken boxing bouts mm-hmm. in his in his st- in his striking career in his combat sports career. It is no surprise that every single one of those that's been recorded by Tapology is a knockout loss. <laughs> that is no surprise at all.
2: Yeah,
1: I don't know why he's doing it. <laughs> but the fact that he's getting shit kicked every time he does it is not a shock. Um, See, so yeah, I got to pick Jake Matthews. It would be really pretty sad if he lost this fight.
2: Yeah. Nope. I fully agree. I, I don't really have anything to add. It's Matthews is hard to beat by out grappling. Uh, he's going to get a long-range, slow-paced striking battle, which he's comfortable with and, and likes likes having. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Darius flowers is hittable, uncomfortable at range only likes to do one very specific thing.
1: Yeah. It is really kind of telling just how much they are signing everybody off the contender series that they very clearly brought flowers in to lose to Amaran Gokoladze And then he like absolutely body slammed him and separated his shoulder apart. And they're like, well, I guess we got to sign you. You won. Yep. Like, you, you, otherwise, you're, you're like, what are you signing a 12 and 5 uh, f- regional MMA fighter for?
2: It is genuinely kind of perplexing. But hey, it's a win for Jake Matthews. Inshallah.
1: Yeah. God, that's right. He did convert
2: to Yeah, he's Muslim Jake Matthews.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Lord.
2: Got a problem with that? No,
1: I just think (laughs) (laughs) it just feels like so much of the like MMA fighters who are entirely directionless throughout their almost their entire lives and then just latch on to a bunch of random identity stuff.
2: Yeah. MMA fighters uh, never ending quest for meaning. Yeah. Mm hmm.
1: Matthew's open to minus two ninety nine. He's currently at minus two
2: twenty five. I'm you surprised that more MMA fighters haven't become Muslim? Yeah, honestly, because Muslim uh, Islam really is like the the last world religion where like people take the rules seriously. Mm hmm. And um, MMA fighters like love that shit. They do. They love being told what to do.
1: I think maybe probably more more of them do actually convert but we only were in America so we see mostly the uh white guys that grew up Christian and are staying Christian.
2: Yeah, but that that change is coming, you know, at some point yeah. American Christianity is such a joke and it's so fake like a lot of these little uh weird little incel types they're going to see the appeal of Islam.
1: Hey, Andrew Tate already sleeping away. Right? Exactly. Uh, Flowers opened at plus 253. He's currently at plus 197. So his odds getting a little closer. I, you know, I know Jake Matthews has gone through some bad losses. This would really be a stupid fight for him to lose. Yeah, it really would. Really would. All right. That brings us to a flyweight bout. CJ Vergara, Vinicius Salvador.
2: Our last fight, we had a receding hairline. Now we get a preceding hairline? <laughs> How would you describe Venicia Salvador's haircut in that last fight?
1: It, um,
2: His hairline sort of receded from the back of the head forward.
1: It is a fascinating mistake that he's making.
2: <laughs> a tonsure, I suppose you could call yeah. it. Yeah. He's a medieval monk.
1: It really is just... Oh, it's, it's a Ronaldo thing. So, is it? Yeah. Not, not Cristiano Ronaldo, but classic... Uh, you know the uh, one of the other four Ronaldos to be incredible <laughs> soccer
2: stars. I like how Brazilian soccer has a different name but the exact same thing as Brazilian MMA. There's yeah. like nine thousand silvas. Yeah. Uh and nine thousand Santoses. There's none of those in soccer, but if you're named Ronaldo, <laughs> you go into soccer.
1: Yeah. There's Cristiano Ronaldo, there's Ronaldo Ronaldo, there's Ronaldinho, there's yeah,
2: yeah that's
1: awesome. I just stick with them. Anyway, uh, yeah, it is definitely. Uh, even when Ronaldo did it, it was not a great idea. <laughs> but the funny thing is that when Ronaldo did it, it was like, oh, this is where my hairline is. And I've shaved everything off but the front of my hairline. Whereas when Salvador did it, it's like my hairline is actually a ways back from this, but I grew my hair long in the front. So I have bangs and only bangs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i remember it more as just a strange little patch
1: yeah but if you actually look at it it's like it looks it's like it's a he comb has, like, forward yeah it looks like he's, <laughs> he's he's just shaved everything but his bangs
2: <laughs> like i said it's a torture he should be yeah. there illuminating a manuscript that's right um man is this not feel like a flyweight fight no it's so indicative of all the recent flyweight signings and the weird direction this division has taken yeah, Vinicius Salvador is one of the strangest fighters in the sport I, I right think now.
1: Flyweight is probably heading for a serious um, woman's flyweight moment. Where, in, in a weird way, because it shouldn't be that way for men's flyweight. It's much more established. It's much more... Um,
2: the talent is out there.
1: Yeah, I, I, but... I think you were going to get this kind of thing where there's going to be like a, a an elite top five or yeah. so that, and then a whole bunch of fighters underneath who compete really, really well against each other. Yeah. And then actually just cannot fundamentally break into that top five ever. Yeah.
2: Because essentially they are all just bad bantamweights. Yeah. The guys who were good enough for Bantamweight.
1: Yeah, and that's a lot of what is filling up the flyweight division.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, Salvador is a, is like a deliberate mess. Yes. He he is in there like swagging around and getting hit while swaggering and like lunging forward and like arms like he is a flailing puncher. Um just a completely awkward, messy fighter who is inexplicably confident that that is going to work for him. Um, CJ Vigara, meanwhile, we both like, you know, he's solid. Mm-hmm. He lost the funniest round of the year to uh, um, not Luan, uh Daniel Lacerda. Is it? Yeah. Daniel Where, Lacerda. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Daniel Lacerda hit him with every single spinning strike that's ever been invented. Uh mm-hmm. huh. He hit him to the body. Vergara spent 90% of the round turning his back and running away and the other 10% getting knocked down. Yeah. And then came out in the next round and just like took Lacerda down and crushed him. Yep. Uh, Lacerda had wasted all of his energy going for the least in, the least efficient finishing sequence ever for five minutes straight and um vergara just walked into him hit him in the body took him down crushed him and uh i have to assume vergara is going to win this fight i just think yeah. salvador is too much of a ropey mess he's not hard to take down he's not hard to get out of position and and to corner um he throws as if he has like a ton of power but he doesn't he's just awkward and doesn't know how to put his body behind his strikes and yeah. he's a complete disaster
1: He's a lot of fun when he's got somebody else in front of him that's messy and they're just yeah. going to have a wild messy fight.
2: Oh, um, I enjoy watching him. He's this oh, yeah. a disaster in a good way. Nothing makes sense and he keeps yeah. going for it. But
1: but I would I would also say that yeah, it, Vergara is made to beat guys like Vinicia Salvador. Yes. He he is there. Uh, He's a great litmus test fighter because he is going to be very durable. He is going to be very persistent. It's not going to be that fast, but he tends to go to the same few tools over and over again. Mm -hmm. And if you can't defend them, he will use them to beat you. He will be there winning. You know, you have to take the fight from Vergara You have to tend to have to do it with good positioning and better technique. Yep. You can't do it just off of speed and athleticism because he's hard to hurt and he stays on his front foot.
2: Well, he got hurt a lot in that last fight.
1: Yeah. I heard a lot. I
2: I forgot. It wasn't even, he didn't even, I'm watching it now. He didn't even take Lacerda down. Lacerda shot on him and then rolled for a calf slicer. Yeah. Yet another insanely inefficient low percentage attempt to finish. Uh, uh, And it got reversed and and choked out.
1: But at the same time, like Clayton Rodriguez, he's a much better fighter than Daniel Da Silva and Lacerda. Lacerda. Well, it's Daniel Lacerda Da Silva.
2: Oh, is it? Of course it is. Um, Daniel Ronaldo Da Silva Lacerda.
1: Yeah. But uh, so Rodriguez is a much better athlete. Much uh, better schooled fighter, and he had the same. You know, he had a lot of trouble just handling the pressure that Mm -hmm. vergar could bring and would consistently bring and be there. And yeah, it just seems way too much of a of a design under which Salvador is going to crack. Where he's got somebody in front of him where like you can hurt this guy, you can maybe even hurt it, or you can hit. You maybe even hurt him but you're not going to just put him away and he will battle back right back. He will be right there battling back the moment you drop off at all. And so Salvador is a, it is a roller coaster. There is never going to be consistent maintained anything. So the drop-offs are going to come consistently. And every time they do, Vergara will be right there pushing him backwards, Mm -hmm. trying to create his own strikes making salvador pay for his own mistakes
2: yep good basic stuff gonna jab the body yep gonna throw one twos gonna kick the legs
1: all just solid it's not a flyweight game but it is a functional game
2: for sure odds
1: on the bout vergara is the favorite opened at minus 165 currently minus 144 Salvador opened at plus one forty seven. Currently, plus one twenty nine. Yeah, I just see, think Vergara deserves to be a consistent favorite here.
2: Mhm.
1: I really think uh, you got to kind of be. You got you got to show you can win some fights at flyweight before you're going to beat C.J. Vergara.
2: Yep, I agree.
1: That brings us to a welterweight bout, Matthew Semelsberger, Uros Medic, and uh, this is a pretty cool fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm glad to see Medic moving up from lightweight.
2: Yeah, he was a big big lightweight.
1: Yeah, and Semelsberger
2: 6-6-1.
1: Yeah, and Semelsberger is. Uh, as we've kind of talked about already he is a very capable very he's got he's got power he's got speed he's got basic form is just doesn't have the confidence to consistently apply himself and the or the depth to handle a fight when it gets a little more complicated mm-hmm. and that's that's an interesting. It's an interesting package to have to deal with for a fighter like Medich who has been in the past at his best only when he is really getting exactly his style of fight. Yeah. When he's getting somebody who will stay exclusively at very long range against him and won't press him in any other way. That really has been where Medich thrives and I think he's getting better about getting away from that. I, th- I felt he looked pretty good in that Omar Morales fight, but I also feel like Omar Morales has looked yeah. like his confidence is shot. Yes. Lately for a while now, for a while now, but it's also really hard to tell where Semelsberger's confidence is like it ebbs and flows so much in fights where he can have moments of like extreme success against Jeremiah Wells and then just go away from it entirely Mm -hmm. and get caught out entirely against his game. Whereas Medich is a fighter who, if he's getting his fight,
2: he's, he's not going to, he's not going to drop that ball. I think Semmelsberger is a lot like Rob font. Mm. But a lesser version, because Rob Font will just use his jab at times, mm-hmm. and Semmelsberger is a pretty limited game, which is all about setting up the right hand. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's it's he somebody's either at the end of his reach and they're like willingly at bay where he can line them up, or they get through and he doesn't seem to recognize that he has tools to completely shut people out of his danger zone. He's big, yeah. you know, yeah. but, uh, he, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have any, um, management, uh, element to his game. Really? Yeah. I think that's it. And so when he's not crushing somebody, that's when you see his confidence start to waver because, uh, you know, he, he better be crushing them. He better be hitting them with huge right hands or else there's, there's nothing else to just sort of fall back on and get comfortable.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm going to pick Medich because I think he can be really competitive with Semelsberger at the range where Semelsberger is best. Although Semelsberger does have four inches of reach on him, apparently.
2: Yeah. there's um, a big welterweight. How crazy is it that Medich moved up and Jalen Turner is still down there at 155, by the way? Right. He's Turner significantly be. bigger than Medich
1: yeah no that Turner I don't think i I hope that his that that hooker fight was his last lightweight bout, frankly. yeah yeah, I don't know because i I do also think that there's just much better fights that Semmelsberger can have where he doesn't have to fight Medich at his preferred place at his preferred style. Have like a really long-range kickboxing bout with Medic. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't I mean, think that Somelsberger is yeah. gonna do that.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean I'm kind of leaning Medic too. Medic is Medich is genuinely very comfortable. Yeah. Um at that range. He's he I mean he's vulnerable, is the thing. He like, is, he's
1: very vulnerable.
2: He's like Giga Chikadze, sort of. Like yeah. a lot of speed and power and a ton of variety.
1: Um but- He also got really insulated in his early career by Alaska FC Mm. and just did not have to deal with guys who fought back at all. And that was Mm -hmm. really obvious when it came to Turner. And like I said, I think he's improving. Uh, I think the Morales fight was an improvement, but it's hard to know with somebody like Omar Morales how much that improvement counted for. I will say him being a Kings MMA Fighter, mm-hmm. it does give me general hope and feeling that he, the, the being in the gym is just going to help is going to do a lot for him there. Mm-hmm. Like his, his his camp will continue to prepare him positively for the UFC and for pushback mm-hmm. and for hard fights.
2: Yeah,
1: but um, it is a question of how many he's ever had to deal with, you
2: know. Yeah. But I mean ultimately he was able to sort of time Morales, who has a similar problem to Semmelsberger, which is that he tends to overthrow the right hand.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh you know, he, he's powerful, he's dangerous, he's long, but he starts to get really predictable with his rhythm. Yeah. And um I just I, I'm not sure. I just don't really trust Semelsberger to deal with the variety of Medich when he's at uh, a range that they both want. That Medich is a very powerful fast kicker. He just has a lot to offer. He moves around. He tests different angles. He faints pretty well. Yeah. Um, and Semmelsberger is just so kind of one note. Yeah. That, yeah, I'm taking Matic as well. Uh, odds on the bout? It's a question, man. Moving up, first fight in the new yeah. division, never a sure thing.
1: Semelsberger is the favorite, fairly significantly. Open at minus 138. He's currently down at minus 203. So money coming his way. Medich opened at plus 124 and was at plus 127 on the 22nd or July 21st is now plus 180. So he's m- money moving away from Medich and towards Semelsberger. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I get it in some respects. Semmelsberger is the established welterweight and he's got power, but – You know, that Jake, I guess that Jake Matthews win is a solid feather in his cap, but it also just felt like a real exposing fight for Jake Matthews.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I don't see that necessarily as a great performance from Semelsberger.
1: Yeah. And otherwise, you know, you're looking at A.J. Fletcher, the guy with the shortest arms in the history of the welterweight division. Martin Sano, who never should have gotten near the octagon, but was brought in because he's a buddy of Nate Diaz's and the UFC was bringing all of Nate's guys in to appease him. And Jason Witt, the most one-punchable KO uh, welterweight out there. Mm -hmm. And you have fights with Wells and Morono and Williams where the confidence issues have just seemed to come up and really cause him to withdraw from fights that he could have been competitive in.
2: Yeah, somebody who's just people who are just... Not in Wells' case, but certainly like Morono, somebody who's just consistent, keeps poking him, looks to counter him when he overthrows.
1: Yeah.
2: Medich will do these things. Medich will also get hit clean by a very big puncher, so I, yeah. I feel like it should be a coin flip kind uh, of uh, betting too. line.
1: All right. That brings us to a woman's flyweight bout. Miranda Maverick, Priscilla Cachoeira. I think we broke this one down already. Did we? Uh, no, no, I guess we didn't.
2: You're thinking uh, of Maverick's last fight against Jesu Devisius. I'm where we...
1: of last hmm. booking against uh, Carini Silva ah. where the fight was scrapped because Cashawera missed weight by a bunch.
2: Oh, that's right.
1: So now we've got Maverick versus Cashawera, and um, this would have been an easier fight to call if Maverick hadn't Dropped that fight to Jasmine Jesuda Vicius.
2: Uh huh. She basically still, just bullied her.
1: Yeah. Because Maverick just still seems like she is. We, I remember we talked about this fight going in. Mm-hmm. I think this is supposed to be you talking about this, but
2: yeah. But if you have something to say, go for it. I
1: have something to say, which is that
2: uh,
1: the big thing I read on that fight going in was Maverick should be able to win it because she's a much faster, more powerful athlete. Yeah. But man, does Jasmine Jesu Gesu- have a much better idea of what kind of fight she wants to have. Yep. And she's more likely to try to have that kind of fight. And That's that exactly that was, what happened. Yeah. It was just that Jesu mm-hmm. being more aggressive, being more confident. Of, I know I need to pressure this person and swarm them and bully them. And that's the way I can win. It Mm -hmm. was just much more convincing than Maverick being like, well, maybe I want to outfight. I don't know. Should I try to be being slicker? Should I, I can I tie up with this person? Is that okay? What? Where do I want to have this fight?
2: There was a very inexperienced fighter feeling of um, aimless grab bag decision-making from Maverick. She kept trying to, yeah, go on.
1: I said, she should be at a place where she shouldn't be having that. Yeah. You know, she's been fighting since 2016.
2: She's only been with her new camp for, what, three fights now? I mean, it, yeah. To, to me, she was a, basically a blank slate before, so yeah. it makes sense that she's still having growing pains. But, uh, yeah, like, a, a lot of um, what Jess Sudavisius did in that fight, I mean, first of all, she dominated her on the ground. Yeah. So. Um, which you know we know Justu is good there. It wasn't a great sign for Maverick that her what we thought was a physical advantage was nothing like close, uh, good enough to.
0: Yeah, deal that deal
2: with those positions. Yeah, once she was shut down, she was shut down. But a lot of what um, Justu Devicis did on the feet does sort of smack of Priscilla Casueta because mm-hmm. she wasn't like landing super clean. She wasn't really hurting Maverick. She was just refusing to be pushed back yeah, and just charging in like, oh, I've hit you and you moved back. I'm going to keep trying to hit you. There was a point where she just charged forward, throwing uh, utterly predictable one, two, one, two, one, two, like old school Vitor Belfort blitzes. And it was just overwhelming to Maverick, who's in there trying to be technical, trying to come up with like slick counters and. Just doesn't have anything systematic cemented in her like muscle memory. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. So she's in there trying to figure out what to do live. The decision-making process for just Sudovisius was comparatively very simple. Go yep. forward. Yeah. Make her uncomfortable. Put pressure on her. Doesn't matter if it lands, the initiative and the pressure is what's important. And she was absolutely vindicated in that decision. Yep. And uh-huh. um Casheweda can probably do a lot of that. She's obviously a much more powerful, more physical version. She does not have Jesudavicius's ground game or anything like it.
1: Yeah, even a little bit. No, but it she's is a big worry for Maverick. That
2: she is a powerhouse, Casheweda. Yeah, she will charge forward, and the shots and she, she lands will be clean and they'll hurt.
1: And they, she's gotten a lot more comfortable. Yeah, about like not even necessarily. Being you know less aggressive or whatever, but just like knowing her range and knowing her spots
2: mm-hmm
1: Cachoeira is much better now at being at knowing when she should be throwing
2: she just went in there against Ariani Lipsky, who has looked great in each yeah. on on the in the fights on either side of that loss, yeah, she just went in there and backed her up to the cage, and it turns out that if you make Lipsky brawl, she'll still brawl, and has slept her, yep um. I'm kind of feeling Casueta here, to be honest. I mean, there are a lot of ways for Maverick to win this fight, and it is very likely that she survives some scary moments early. Yep. And figures out that she could just take Casueta down. That she can maybe stick her with a jab and get her to reach this and make neat. something happen. But she's she's just she's guessing a lot still. Yeah. She is gonna have to survive a scary moment early. I just it's hard to look at that Justin DeVicius fight and not just see how vulnerable Maverick is to just being chased down and hit
1: yeah I'm gonna pick Maverick, but like I say it would have been so much easier before that Vicious fight, and this is really this has to be a i mean i, I she's still young, she's only 26
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but this has to be a point of, of like this has to be a point where the the camp starts clicking. Yeah, it really does where like you game planned well for this opponent, because this yeah. is a very solvable problem. And if you're not able to solve this live on the night, then,
2: you know, well, we'll see. Cause that last fight was less than two months ago.
1: Yeah, no, I know.
2: It's a quick turnaround from Maverick. It too. is.
1: I'm going to pick Maverick, but I'm not confident.
2: Yeah. You're picking Cachoeira? Yeah, I'm going to pick Cachoeira.
1: Maverick is the favorite, opened at minus 366. It's currently at minus 287. That line is closing as it needs to. Cachoeira opened at plus 304. It's currently 244.
2: I I think it should be much closer. I mean, again, there are so many ways to beat Cachoeira, but... uh...
1: It, it it will close it, i mean it, it it is doing what it should do which is getting getting closer and closer i, I yeah, think
2: just just Sudavisius is not a particularly good striker and she no. functionally totally outstruck maverick just by being aggressive yep she had something to go to it made a difference but yeah she doesn't need another thing to go to if she can hit you
1: exactly all right we're gonna jump over to our bonus content now uh for those of you subscribing to our Substack a little bit more reflection on Aspinall versus Tybura
0: to access the bonus content of this show you must be a paid subscriber to do that go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today